Have you heard the story of uh, uh, the carpenter's tools? Probably not. Uh, one morning, early morning before dawn, uh, the carpenter's tools were out in the shed and uh, they were getting ready for the long work day that was coming ahead. And everyone was kind of sluggish, kind of looking down. And, uh, and so Hammer stood up and he said, Everybody, I have a confession to make. I'm sick of being a hammer. I'm tired of hammering nails. It's not fun. It's boring. Uh, I want to do something more exciting like tape measure over there. And the tape measurer said, Are you kidding me, Hammer? Uh, my life, my job is boring. All I do is go in and out all day long. Uh, it, it's not that exciting. You want it, you can have it. Uh, I want to do something way more fun. I want to be like Screw. Because that's like a thrill ride. And Screw said, No. Tape measure, you're wrong. I'm nauseous all day long because I just go around in circles. I have to hold things in place. You can have it if you want it. I want to do something way more fun, way more cool. I want to be like the pencil and draw lines. I want to be able to write something or, or move and it leaves a mark behind. And the pencil says, listen, listen, screw. You don't want my job. All I do is draw lines. And besides, your life expectancy is far greater than mine. So be happy being a screw. As this conversation is taking place, the door to the shed opens, and the carpenter from Nazareth walks in. And he begins to work all day with the tools, and by the end, he stands up a pulpit from which someone is going to preach the gospel. At the end of the day, the carpenter closes the door, and Saw stands up, and he says, Ladies and gentlemen, it's true. God uses all of our gifts to proclaim the gospel. I love that story uh, because I think it hits home for a lot of us. Because I think if you're like me, you sometimes look at other people's gifts and abilities and their talents and you say, man, I want those. And then maybe we take it a step further and we say, can you imagine the work for God's kingdom I could do if I had those gifts? I'd do it a lot better than they, than they are. If only I had their gifts. You see, God has given each and every one of us talents and abilities. He's given us our, uh, our gifts. He's given us um, our minds. He's given us everything. But sometimes... We look at the talents and abilities that we have and we say, they're not that exciting. They're old. I've, I've done these for so long, I want to shake it up. And so we, we conjure up this idea, we imagine this Jesus that says, I've given everyone the same gifts. We imagine a Jesus that says, you know what? All of you are equal. I've given each and every one of you the same gifts. And we wish he said that because then the playing field would be level, right? Then I could be like everybody else. Then no one can be better than me. And so that's your first point this morning. We want my Jesus to say, I've given no one more gifts than another. And we're going to look at a story this morning from Jesus uh, where we see that this isn't true. But here's how we wish the story would start. 
We wish the story started, the kingdom of God is like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. He divided his money between them all equally. And he said, you're all the same in my eyes and have the same skills and potential. We wish that everyone had the same skills, the same talents, the same abilities, uh, because we don't want our gifts all the time. We want other people's. And so if God just made us all the same, with all the same skills and potentials, that would be great. One thing that you hear over and over again is that you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do as long as you put your mind to it, as long as you work hard to do it. And while there's some truth to that, uh, a greater truth is that God hasn't created us all equal. God hasn't given us all the same talents and abilities, and praise God that He hasn't, right? Because if He did, we'd all have be like a carpenter. And we'd have shells of homes everywhere, but we wouldn't have electricity, we wouldn't have plumbing, we wouldn't have everything else. So God has given us all different gifts and different talents and abilities. You sit here this morning with talents and abilities that are unique to you. Each of you have a unique gift that God has given you that nobody else has. And the makeup of all of your other gifts combined make you a very unique person. God has given you all talents and abilities. And all different ones. But each of us have one gift in common, right? It's the gift of faith. That's one gift that we all have that is common between all believers. Uh, It's a gift from God. And we've all come to faith at different times in our lives. Maybe we were a kid, we were just born, and the waters of baptism washed us clean, washed us, made us, brought us into God's family where we received the Holy Spirit and faith was created. But maybe it was later on in life when you came to faith and and you remember it so clearly because it was the first time you went to sleep at night with all the pressure off of you. You went to sleep in peace knowing that all of your guilt, all of your shame has been nailed to the cross. It's been done away with. You are forgiven. Maybe you remember it so clearly because it's the first time that you went to sleep at night and you weren't afraid of not waking up. Because you knew that even if you you didn't wake up, even if you died, you'd be in heaven because Jesus rose from the dead. And because He rose, so will you. Faith is not a right. We're not entitled to it. Faith is not a choice. Faith is a gift from God. And it's one of the gifts that He's given to each and every one of us. And He's given us many other gifts as well. And that's your second point. God has given you gifts according to your ability. Alright, let's dig in to the actual story that Jesus told about the gifts that He's given to His servants. Here's what He says, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Alright, so remember when Jesus tells a story, it's a parable. That's what we call it. It's an earthly story, so it contains earthly elements, but it contains a heavenly meaning. 
And so commentators across the board say, when Jesus tells this story, the master who's going away on a journey represents Jesus. Jesus is going to be going up to heaven. He's going on a long journey, but he's planning on coming back. And so he entrusts his servants with his possessions. And he dishes out in different forms, right? According to their ability. The first one, he gives five bags. The second one, he gives two. And the third one, he gives one. And at first we look at this and we say, now Lord, that's not fair. You should treat everyone equally. Everyone should get the same amount. And yet, we don't always do that in our lives. We don't do that in the business world. When an employer gives an employee uh, five things to do when they can only handle one, that's bad news for their business. Likewise, if, if an employer uh, gives their employee only one thing to do when they can handle two, that's also bad news for their business. They're doing their business a disservice. You see, the Lord never does that. The Lord knows you inside and out. He knows just how much you can handle. And so He gives you the gifts and abilities that you can handle so that you can give Him glory so that there's no disservice. Isn't it amazing and isn't it comforting to know that the gifts and abilities that you have, God knows that you can handle them and bring Him glory through them. And now all these gifts and abilities, they're everything that you have, everything that you're good at, every, all, every talent that you have is a gift from God. But let's consider for a moment some of the gifts that He gives to the church to carry out the Great Commission. He's given the gift of leadership. He's given administrative gifts. He's given financial gifts, both uh, able to give financially and also to take care of the books and things like that. He's given technological gifts so that we can carry out the gospel work through technology. He's given the gifts of sympathy, empathy, comfort. He's given the gift of listening for you to be there to listen to somebody. He's given the gift of prayer. Some of you are amazing at praying and and just have amazing prayers. And that's a gift from God. He's given you the uh, ability to teach Sunday school or babysit so parents can take Bible 101. These are all gifts that God has given to His church just to carry out the gospel work. And there are plenty more that we could go on and list. I'd go on for 20 minutes, uh, but we've got to have the rest of the sermon in here. And that's just for the Great Commission. He's given you all your other gifts as well. The gifts to be a loving and caring father. The gift to be a loving and caring mother. A gift to be a good spouse. A good employee. A good employer. Every gift that you have is from God. And He's given you the right amount of gifts so that you can handle it according to your abilities. So the question is, are you being faithful with your gifts? Do you even know what your gifts are? When was the last time you took inventory of what you're good at and what your gifts really are? Or have we become like those tools in the shed where we wish we had other gifts and and we don't want to necessarily use the gifts that God has given us. Because a lot of times that happens, right? Where we don't want to use the gifts that God has given us. And so we start thinking that Jesus says He doesn't care how we use our gifts. 
It's no big deal, right? And that's your third point. My Jesus says, your gifts are yours to do what you like. That's what we wish Jesus would say. Because then I could choose if I want to use my gifts or not. Let's continue in Jesus' story here with the master and his servants. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. In other words, these men were faithful with what Jesus had, or the master had put them in charge of. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, see, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Isn't it going to be great when we get to the gates of heaven and Jesus says to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. <coughs> Let's see how the third man responded. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came and he said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. So the two men go out and they're faithful with God, what, Jesus, what the Master had given them. They produced double what they were given. The third one takes the gift that his Master gives, not necessarily because he wants it, but because it's from the Master. He can't say no. And so he keeps it, but he keeps it in a way that really reveals his attitude toward the gift and the giver, right? He takes it and he buries it. He has to keep it, but he doesn't want to do anything with it, and so he buries it. He's idle. He's lazy. He's selfish. And we wish Jesus would say, you know what? That's okay. It's your gift. Do with it what you'd like. And here's how we wish Jesus would have finished the story. His master replied, that's cool. Since I'm in control, my plans will happen regardless of what one person does with my money. And at the end of the day, You're your own man, free to do what you like with what I've given to you. Isn't that how we wish Jesus would feel about us being faithful with the gifts that he's given to us? Have you ever said this? I recognize I have gifts, Lord. I recognize the gifts that you have given me. But really, you can carry out your kingdom. You can grow your kingdom without me using my gifts. So I'm not going to use them. You're the Almighty God. You're all-powerful. You can do whatever you want. You don't need me. And we take that attitude, and it plays out into our lives, right? Oh, I'm not going to volunteer or serve at church because other people will fill it. 
God doesn't need me. The church doesn't need me. Uh, they can carry it out without me. I'm going to bury my gifts. Or we take it and, and, and we cloak it in modesty, right? We, we act humble. Well, I'm not the most qualified person there is. I don't really know the Bible all that well. Uh, other people are more qualified to do this than me. Uh, I shouldn't be doing it. It's one thing to be humble, right? It's one thing to be modest, but it's another thing to cloak modesty, or take our modesty and cloak it, our selfishness, laziness, and idleness, right? And indifference. God is almighty. God is all-powerful. He can carry out His kingdom regardless if we use our gifts or not. But, He has chosen to run His kingdom like that carpenter and his tools. He has chosen to work with us to carry out his kingdom's work. And just like the parable, these servants are using their master's possessions, so are we. Our talents and our abilities are not ours. They are gifts from God that he has given to us for a short time to use for his glory. Perhaps the most troubling thing about this third man is that he didn't do anything wrong, right? He didn't take this money and go out and spend it on on immoral living. He didn't take it out and go get drunk with it. He didn't take it out and spend it on prostitutes or anything like that. He just buried it and he did nothing with it. And yet the master's not happy. This would be, uh, if you want a theological term, this is what we call sins of omission. Sins of commission are those sins that we, we actively do evil, we actively sin, and we do something. Sins of omission are, I just don't do what I'm supposed to do. I'm idle, indifferent. Richard Lenski is a, a Bible commentator, and what he says in regard to this third man uh, really cut me deep as I was preparing for this sermon. And so, uh, being the loving pastor that I am, I figured I'd read it in the sermon. Uh, He said, The man, this third man, was a picture of all those in the church who for any reason refused to use the gifts of Christ in His service. By such non-use, the gifts are buried, and those who have them put themselves into the same state with those who are without them. Are you being faithful with the gifts that God has given you? If we're not, it's probably because of one of two reasons. One, we don't think Jesus actually cares how we spend our gifts. We don't, we don't think Jesus cares how we use our talents and abilities. He doesn't care if we're faithful. But clearly, we just looked at, He does care. Or number two, we have the attitude of the third man. There's a part of us that thinks Jesus is a hard demanding taskmaster or, or slave master and he's putting us to work and all he does is make demands. And we don't want to serve someone like that. We want to just live our lives and we don't want Jesus to be telling us what to do. The Bible calls us the Lord's servants. He calls us many things. Uh, he calls us his children. He calls us sons and daughters. He calls us all that. But he also calls us his servants. And stop and think for a second what it took for Jesus to make you his servant. 
It wasn't like one day Jesus just came and said, Hey, you, you're now my servant. Come and do what I want you to do. It's not like one day Jesus took over sin, death, and the devil and said, Great, now you're mine. Get to work. No. Jesus looked down from heaven and He had compassion on us because He saw that we were abused. He saw that we were slaves and we were fearful. We lived in fear every day. He saw it in our eyes. He saw it in our hearts. He knew that our masters had no compassion or love for us at all. And He knew that if we continued, we would be abused to the point of going to eternal death. And Jesus said, I want to save them from their slavery, from sin, death, and the devil. I want to save them. And the price wasn't gold or silver. The demand was, Jesus, your life for theirs. And Jesus said, okay. I'm willing to pay it because I want them to be free. And so He willingly laid down His life on the cross. And now, you are at peace. Now you have peace in your heart because all of your sins have been forgiven at the cross. Now you have peace in your heart because you know that Jesus conquered death and the devil. And when He rose, it was His guaranteed stamp that said, you are defeated, Satan and death. These are My people. And they are going to live with Me forever. You have no control anymore. It's this Jesus whom you serve. A Jesus filled with love, compassion, forgiveness, peace, and patience. And it's this Jesus who now says, I'm giving you gifts and abilities. Gifts to carry out my gospel work so that you can go and tell others that they have freedom as well. Because there are people who live in fear every day of death. Every day of what's going to happen when they die because they don't know the peace that Jesus has given. And he says, go, tell people. Because, here's your last point for the day. Because what you do with your talents now spills over into eternity. The third servant had said, Master, I know you're a hard man. And so I didn't do anything. I buried it. And the master said, well, why didn't you at least put it on, in, in the bank so it gained interest so when I came back, I collect the interest? You just buried it. It did absolutely nothing. And here's how Jesus finishes the story. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a way to end a sermon, right? As I was preparing for this, I, I was tempted to cut this part out and end it before this because this is a brutal way to end a sermon. Uh, but then I thought to myself, what series are we in? <laughs> this isn't what we wish Jesus would have said. This is what he actually said. The thing about this third servant is that we all deserve to be this guy, don't we? We have all been indifferent with the gifts that God has given us. We've all been idle. 
We've all buried our talents and abilities and we haven't been faithful with them the way God wants us to. And yet, that's why Jesus was there telling this story. He told this story during Holy Week. And a few days after this story, He was going to go to the cross where He would forgive us for all of our sins. Where He would forgive you for all of the times that you were idle, indifferent, uh, selfish, and buried your talents and abilities. He forgives you for them because He went to the cross. And remember that gift that we have. All of us have the gift of faith. Faith in Jesus as our Savior. And what flows from faith in Jesus as our Savior is a desire to change. A desire to to change from being idle and bury our talents to to the change of wanting to use them to serve Him and give Him glory. Let's close with a prayer. Asking Jesus to to help us uh, change and use these gifts to His glory. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank You for the gifts that You have given us. Uh, We have faith in You as Jesus, as our Savior. And we ask that from that forgiveness and from that faith flows a desire to change that we may live to glorify You. Amen. Please stand. Part of the privilege we have in Christian worship 